Thanks for joining us for this edition. We are going to be looking at COVID child abuse. This is the worst public health policy plan in world history. You don't believe me? This is a big debacle the last two years. You're gonna hear from the experts and you know who's suffering the most? The children. Stick around. Hi everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Seek First podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We wanna talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever my guests are into, we want to unpack so we can understand what is happening around us. Stick around, I think you're gonna be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody, let's jump in. The horrendous events that are going off in Afghanistan right now, unbelievable, could overshadow the real daily struggle that moms and dads and children are having as they re-engage in school for the first full in-class school year since COVID has happened. But with that, as we're going to see some from experts that are uh, medical physicians, uh, psychiatrists, specialists in public health issues, children that are being subjected to the mask mandates and this generation of being raised up under this control, we're going to see that it is bordering on, if not full-blown, abuse. And so even though the eyes of the world are watching in awe at such an utter failure of the administration to simply protect and to extract American citizens from Afghanistan, which we have also done programs on last week with Victor Marx, and we'll be doing some other things to bring you up to date. But as we come to the home front, where it really impacts our souls is sending our children off to school in these times. Last Thursday was the first day of school down in Temecula, California, and two students that went to a charter school down there did not want to wear the mask, and therefore were basically <laughs> expelled permanently from this charter school. Check this story out from the Daily Mail. California siblings are permanently excluded from charter school for refusing to wear masks for religious reasons, and teacher even evacuated classroom when one of the teens ignored requests to leave. Victoria and Drew Nelson were banned from ever attending Springs Charter School in Temecula, California, after they refused to wear masks. When Victoria refused to leave the classroom, the principal was called in and told her she was going to be physically removed if she didn't leave on her own. The school released a statement citing the fact that there are no religious or not religious exemptions for mask mandates in school settings in the state of California, which is true. Here's this, this, uh, these siblings, uh, brother and sister, uh, Andrew and, uh, Drew and um, Victoria. And here is the police resource officer telling their father and basically they're being permanently expelled from not wearing a mask. Now, if masks were somehow this magic, uh, really lucky charm, like a, you might as well have a rabbit's foot in your pocket, but it is the badge of honor of a progressive left agenda that is from the White House all the way down into public education. As we'll hear from the experts, masks really don't work. And yet, why are we being forced? Why are our children being forced? Why is an entire generation being controlled 
by the government where we see other nations, such as Sweden, as we're going to hear about, that have uh, not mandated any masks, not mandated social distancing, not man they just let kids go to school, they let people be responsible, basically like it was a flu season that we go through every year. And we'll see the results of that, that they did very, very, can I add one more time? Very well. And yet, what is the political agenda? Is there more at stake with this COVID child abuse? Is it indoctrination for an entire generation to be controlled by the state as we move from a constitutional republic into the morass of this democratic process where the mob rules to socialism to communism? It is this long march that as we pull back in a panoramic view and we see everything that is unfolding, as Barack Obama's administration, his chief of staff, coined, you never let a good crisis <laughs> go to waste. You need to seize the opportunity. And the progressive left has seized the opportunity to take control and exercise power over an entire nation. And we're seeing it globally, other nations as well, but this is home, so we're gonna talk about home. We're not gonna talk about the land down under, Australia, where people have, I mean, literally lost their mind, where it is a police state. It is uh, control to the nth degree. But just as this uh, brother and sister are now expelled from going to this charter school because they really wanted to make a stand. They didn't want to wear the mask. Can you blame them? When I'm a, a junior or a senior in high school, which these two were, uh, especially if you follow the science and see, this is a waste of time. Why are we being controlled? Now, up in Washington at Eatonville High School, they are putting on the kids at their school a tracker system so they can track their movements and con contact for COVID. Not only with sports, but check this out. This is going on up in Washington. They're actually putting trackers, not only forcing them to wear masks, but putting trackers on their ankles. Oh, wow. This, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's hard to believe. But yesterday, this article came out. Eatonville High School, which required student athletes in volleyball to wear ankle monitors in order to track for COVID, has also required this kind of monitoring and tracking for members of the football team. Jo uh, Jason uh, Ostendorf, a father of a football player at the school, told the Post Millennial that a meeting was held during which students and their families were informed that the athletes could wear the monitors or forego participation. You either wear this monitor or you can't play. There was no opt-out option given at the time, he said. The ankle monitors were mandatory. I'm in a tough spot, Ostendorf told the post-millennial. My son has played for seven years. I don't want the tracker on him, but I don't want to tell him he can't play. The program of monitoring, monitoring students, athletes, employs the trace tag device used by the school. It was made by a company called Triax. It was allegedly designed for contact tracing in the event of a positive COVID test of a student. So they can monitor it in computer um, animation, seeing all the people that they interacted with. goes on. Parents originally claimed that unvaccinated students, they were going to segregate, were forced to wear the monitors. But 
It was later clarified that both unvaccinated and vaccinated students were required to wear them. A letter from the school to Eatonville families stated that this is the same technology used in professional athletics. NFL is using technology to modernize contact tracing, prevent spread of COVID-19. In addition to the NFL practice, the Southeast Conference followed their lead using devices for proximity monitoring for their college level football players. Unbelievable. How do you now not only force masks, force social distancing, close businesses, and now put ankle bracelets on people so that you can track whether they have the flu or not? Because unless you're over 70 years of age and you have some underlying health issues, or you're uh, younger and you have a lot of serious health issues, it's just like the flu. It's going to have very little effect only 1% of the population is in danger in the United States of America, and yet they are putting monitors on our kids' ankles up in Washington, forcing our kids to wear masks. It is unbelievable the overreach of the tyranny, all in the name of health and safety, because they continue to, you know, the progressive left, they control you in two ways. They fill you with fear, and then they promise you safety, and then they also promise you free stuff. Hey, we're going to get, this is just, it's, it's out of the playbook. This is the way that it works. Now, last month, we saw this was coming. Even though the CDC has not required that children wear masks in school, the Pediatric Association has come out and said that. Look at this short clip. Preparing everybody a month ago, this is going to happen if your kid's over the age of two. New COVID guidance from the American Academy of Pediatrics recommending that all children over the age of two wear masks when they go back to school, even if they are vaccinated. That suggestion comes despite CDC advice that vaccinated students do not need to wear masks. More than four million children have been infected during the pandemic, and there are fears that number could rise due to the Delta variant and looser COVID restrictions. Four million kids are infected, but children are not good carriers. They're not really affected by this. And they fill you with fear through this testing apparatus to say four million have been infected. So how many people get that? They've never tracked for a cold or a flu, influenza, ever. And as we see all of this taking place, it's just so mind-blowing that the Pediatric Association says, all children, if you're going to send your kid to daycare over the age of two. I mean, have you ever tried to keep a mask on a two-year-old or a three-year-old's face? What are you going to do, glue it to their face? And are they going to be in trouble and yell, being yelled at the entire time? How ridiculous. How incomprehensible. Not only for the CDC hasn't mandated this yet, but they're all going to get on the same page, I promise you. But the pediatric association that should be watching out for children's health, not worried about a flu or a cold, but their overall health, their mental health, their emotional health, their, their social interaction, their total well-being, as the experts are going to share with you. I know you say, Rick, you don't know what you're talking about. You're nobody. You're right. But we have some really smart people that are going to tell you the same exact thing, and they have really cool letters behind their names because they've studied this stuff for their whole career. So stick around for that. This is one of them. This, is, this guy's like a hero. He was, has been uh, cancel cultured to the max because he is bringing a voice of re reason. He is not somebody like me. 
He is a Harvard-trained, Dr. Martin Koldorf is an epidemiologist from Harvard and a biostatistician that his entire career has been about public health and taking care of public health. And some of these clips I'm gonna show you tonight are a little longer, but the quality of the personnel and the people that are bringing you their experience level, please tune in. If you wanna tune out for me, that's one thing, but these are the experts. Here's a guy from Harvard telling you that this is the greatest debacle, the greatest public health debacle in human history. Listen to Dr. Kaldorf. Now we have the Delta variant and there's discussion of lockdowns again. And we have countries that actually have been in perpetual lockdowns. And so you've described the global COVID response, I'll quote you here, as the biggest public health fiasco in history. Feels like a, a big statement to make. Tell me more. Well, I think it is, and without doubt, uh, for the two sort of aspects of that. One is, while anybody can get infected, by COVID, there's more than a thousandfold difference in the risk for death and the mortality risk between the oldest and the youngest. So with the naive belief that these lockdowns will protect everybody, which obviously we know now they didn't work. A lot of people uh, got COVID, a lot of people died. But there was this naive belief that that would protect the older people. And because of that, we did not implement basic public health measures to actually do what was necessary to protect those older uh, high-risk people. And because of that, many of them died unnecessarily from COVID. The other uh, aspect of it is the, uh, the collateral damage from these lockdowns. So, uh, uh, for example, children who didn't go to schools. The children are at minuscule risk from this disease in terms of mortality. They can get infected for sure, but uh, the risk from COVID for children is less than the risk from the annual influenza, which is already very low for children. So for them, this is not a risky thing. And one example is Sweden from the first wave in the spring of 2020. Sweden was the only Western country that did not close down the, all the schools. So schools and daycare were open for children ages 1 to 15. And among the 1.8 million children in Sweden during this first wave, there were exactly zero deaths from COVID. And that was without using masks, without social distancing and without any testing. If a child was sick, they were told to stay home. That was it. Uh, so this is not a serious disease for children, which we should be very grateful for. Also young adults uh, have very low risk for mortality from, from COVID. But the collateral damage has been enormous from these lockdowns. Uh, cardiovascular disease outcomes, heart disease and so on, has been bad during this pandemic because people don't go to the hospitals or there's not uh, available the, the, uh, the health care that they need. Diabetes patients, for example, uh, cancer uh, have actually gone down in 2020 and 21, but that's not because there's less cancer, it's just that we're not detecting them. And if you're not detecting them, we're not treating them either. And this is nothing that shows up in the statistics this year. Uh, except to a very small extent, but uh, let's say women who didn't get the cervical cancer screening uh, might now uh, die three or four years from now instead of living another 15, 20 years. So this collateral damage on public health 
from these lockdowns is something that we're going to have to live with and die with for many, many years to come, unfortunately. And then, of course, there's the mental health aspects, uh, which has been enormous, uh, uh, tragic. Uh, so uh, this has really been uh, uh, an awful response to the pandemic. And that goes against the basic principles of public health that we have followed for many decades. Here's an expert. His whole career has been wrapped up in this. And he gave us, as we're going back to school, he gave us a great example. He's from Sweden, obviously very in tune with what's happening in Sweden, even though he's in, at Harvard, uh, Harvard trained and all of those uh, different accolades that he has, that in the height of this, Sweden let their children from 1 to 15 go back to school. Did you get that? No social distancing. No mass mandates. Nothing. And 1.8 million children that were tracked with not one COVID death. Now, they're not filling their citizenry with fear, like how many have contracted it. So what you get the cold? So what you get the flu? What's the big deal? And yet... He delineates the terrible, terrible, terrible response of people like Anthony Fauci, who is the voice, he is the Pope of medical apartheid, Mr. Flip-Flop Fauci. It's unbelievable. And so you listen to somebody like Dr. Kohldorf and you go, wow. Wow, there's, there's a voice of reason. Here's a guy that has incredible training, incredible experience, and he's saying exactly what the common sense average person is observing in real time, and he brings with it the clout and the merit of incredible um, quality training. Now, we're now going to lock, watch a clip with multiple doctors saying the exact same things from the heroic America's frontline doctors. These people were saying this in the beginning. They've been saying it throughout. Some of them have lost their jobs, so they've been cancel cultured, and they're bringing real facts. They're bringing real expertise, and they're going to touch not only on children. They're going to touch on masks. They're going to touch on the, the ludicrous policies when 1% of the nation is in danger, they advocate in a reasonable way that that's where focused prevention should be on the vulnerable population, the elderly in that situation. So check this out. The mask issue is very interesting to me, fascinating. The whole situation with masks is very concerning to me. It is essentially irrational. I say that not as an opinion, but as a conclusion based on an utter lack of all substantial peer-reviewed empirical evidence that supports the use of masks or isolation. In the hospital, we were saying, do not wear masks. We were telling doctors, do not, and I'm a part of the leadership, so I was like one of the people that were called. You know, the administration called me, Dr. Armstrong, so such and such is wearing a mask. He's, he's making the nurses afraid because you walk into the nurse's station and the nurses see the doctor wearing a mask 
and they don't have a mask. And so, wait a minute, am I not protected? So this was the conversation very early on. Do not wear masks. That was, the, that was from Fauci, that was from everybody. Dr. Fauci has flip-flopped so often and the American people seem not to be noticing the going back and the going forth. The second is, as a physician, I've always known that masks don't do anything to prevent the transmission of viruses. And I encourage all Americans to simply do a simple Google search and they type in surgical mask and read any scientific journal before March 2020. And there was no pretense that a mask or a bandana or piece of cloth would keep out a virus, certainly not an RNA virus that's 0.1 microns. I've worn masks most of my adult life. I've never heard people talk about masks as a means of viral control. Now the most competent masks that we have are the N95 masks. The medical N95 mask basically, they screen out 95% of 0.3 micron particles under normal breathing circumstances. The problem is we're dealing with a virus that's 0.12 microns. The, the people that for some reason just ignore that data. They want to say, oh, that's not really relevant. We can show that we can do, it works. We can screen out most of the particles with masks. Masks make people feel good. They feel like they're protected when they wear them, like they're doing something, you know, protect their neighbor or protect them. And so I think it makes people feel good. What happens in masks is it's, when you, when you sneeze or you cough, the large particles stay behind, but what gets out are the very tiny microscopic particles. SARS-CoV-2 virus is one one-thousandth the size of a hair. Masks are simply irrelevant. Certainly, if someone's coughing in my face, you know, with saliva, then I'm thinking a mask is probably going to help me a little bit. <laughs> you know? But if that's not the case, I mean, if we're sitting here having a conversation, I'm thinking a mask is really not helping me very much at all. And so, and so I don't really think, and you know, people talk about how the virus is smaller than the size of the pores in the mask. You know, that's not relevant to me at all. You know, that's not even really, it's not like the virus is looking for the little hole. It's very random, you know. And the way most people are going to get this is, is they're going to, they're going to touch something that I've touched, and they're going to grab it, they're going to rub their eye, they're going to touch their mouth, and then they're going to get the virus. It's very random, just like a normal coronavirus that I studied about in microbiology that was causing the common cold. Viruses around us all the time. I think the, uh, the other thing to say here is that masks are not without risk, and they make it sound like there's no downside to wearing a mask. There's a lot of downside to wearing a mask. And I, I mean, I personally am most concerned about its psychosocial effect on children. Since the uh, beginning of the pandemic with our children being masked, it's, anxiety is through the roof for these small children that really cannot process the information. Why are they wearing a mask? Why, you know, why are my parents fearful? Why are my parents watching the television set so, so attentively? One of the biggest victims in terms of population of children who are forced to wear masks are kids who have learning disorders, visual or uh, auditory disabilities, or autism. There are babies now, healthy babies, who cannot recognize faces in supermarkets or being pushed down the street in their baby carriages because they were born without actually having access to human faces because all they see are masks. You smile, you laugh, you giggle at them, and they just respond blankly. They don't even develop the capacity to recognize a face. So imagine a child who has a disability, who's three, five, six, eight years old, who's now been spending all day 
all year looking at other mask faces forced to wear a mask himself or herself can't express and communicate without having a free face or be able to see it in return, it's almost like they are, are being forced to live in some other planet without oxygen and they have to use their lungs to breathe. It is, it is a travesty. Uh, it is causing actual family violence at home with children who have autism or kids who have uh, difficulty with hearing. And I hear it all day and all, all week long in my practice with parents who are at their wits end and they don't know what to do because they can't take their child to school, they can't take their child on an airplane, they can't take their, take their child into a store without getting yelled at because their child has to have a mask in order to, to shop with them. I'm gonna tell you a little story about a brand new patient who walked in my door, four-year-old and an 18-month-old um, family. And the little girl who's four extremely articulate, very, very um, smart, came in with a mask. The first thing I told her to do is please take your mask off. You don't need a mask. You are under 10 years old. You absolutely do not need a mask. So of course she was very um, anxious about even removing the mask from her face. And I watched her behavior in the office with her 18 month old brother. And so he was running to the door and slamming against the door and he ran to the wall. And, and she was basically acting like a football player and jumping in front of him and saying, don't touch that. She did this two or three times and I finally just stopped her and said, honey, it's okay. It's okay. He's not gonna get sick and nor are you. You're fine. And I said, you know, let's just wash your hands. And just kind of doing that, you could see the tension in her shoulders and her little body. She just kind of relaxed and we washed her hands and everything was so much better. These are things that are not actually noticed even by mom until I pointed it out. I said, mom, this is anxiety. You know, and the other problem is when you've masked their teachers or their parents or whatever, they, children develop, they become human by socializing and learning to read faces. And this is a very bad thing we're doing to them. And this is a problem. When they say there's no risk to mask, I tell them this is a problem that's going to go through those children's lives and maybe into the next generation if we don't stop this. Children, by the way, have less chance of dying of COVID than they do, of less they have less chance of dying of COVID than lightning. Okay, that was shown by Oxford University. We don't need to be masking them. It was just presented in this lecture that super spreaders, they're not super spreaders. They're not the problem here, and we should not be masking them. When you put a, a mask on an adult and on other children, the child that is looking at the other children, looking at the adults, does not receive the information that, that the child needs in order to connect feelings and actions with visual cues. The visual cues are just not there. We have a country now where we've taken a generation of kids and blocked them from growth. What are we gonna see in the next generation? I don't know, but I can tell you it's gonna be awful. Probably one of the um, greatest avoidable tragedies that we have ever perpetuated on our children in, in American history. In the United States, unfortunately, we haven't really collected this as much as I would have liked. But in Germany, which has been very good at covering harm to children since the very beginning of this pandemic. A registry was generated and over 20,000 people participated, mostly parents, in documenting pain, injury, emotional distress in their children from mask wearing. When you combine that with the fear that it's engendering in all of the adults around them and the lack of ability to see emotions and process people's moods and learning, it, it, it borders on child abuse. The tragedy of this is that it's unnecessary. 
In countries that have imposed masks and social isolation, they have seen, in many cases, worse outcomes in terms of overall mortality than have countries who have had adopted an essentially free and open and permissive way of movement and an absence of masks and simply educated their citizens and said, it's up to you to decide if you're really at risk. Here's the information. This is what we know about who gets sick and dies. And it's not most people. It's a very, very small subset. It's about 1% of the population. It tends to be very old and frail people or younger people who have multiple medical conditions, especially obesity. Outside of that, your risk of getting infected and dying of this coronavirus is equal to or less than that of a car accident in most parts of this country and most parts of the world. So based on that alone, I think it's fair to say that the pursuit of masking and social isolation is only harming people and in many ways actually killing people. Isn't it tragic? He, these experts are now saying this is going to affect the next generation. Children's development to see um, faces and children that are raised with that, what are the, the costs going to be? What are the consequences going to be? What is the, uh, the um, anxiety that we saw in the clip uh, with the one doctor explaining about a little four-year-old trying to protect her sibling? It just, it's so sad. It, it, it's so troubling. Yet, in the bigger picture, as we kind of pull back, we're, we're down in the uh, enmeshed in this COVID period of time, and it's all about health, and it's followed the science. Well, I don't really think that all the public policies that have been implemented, none of them are following the science. They're following a political agenda that seems to be generated by fear to control and exercise power over a population but there's something bigger. There's been this momentum that is moving towards this socialism or the elevation of government control over a free people. And you notice that those countries that had a more free and open, hey, here's the information. You guys are big kids. Make your best uh, decisions for your family, for your children. Very much like Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida, or Governor Abbott in Texas, or Kristi Noem in South Dakota, places that are giving people the information and giving them the freedom without being dictators. But isn't it something that the whole progressive left, that uh, they claim this incredible generosity are the most power-hungry, controlling people? We look at our Governor Newsom here in the state of California. Equating those who have not received a, an experimental vaccine to the equivalent of endangering neighbors like they're a drunk driver. Unbelievable rhetoric from a public official to the citizens that he's overseeing. Who would not want to recall somebody like that? It is an incredible overreach and it is tyrannical. And yet all in the name of fear and public safety, well, we haven't been terrorized year after year with the flu and the cold. We haven't stopped school. We haven't demanded people to wear masks. We haven't depend, demanded people to get the flu shot every year. I mean, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. And this kind of overreach. America is in a downhill slide towards socialism that's on its way to communism. 
And the undercurrent that has been going on for a long time, the indoctrination, it's called the long march of communism. They realized they had to march through our institutions, they had to write, march through our schools, and so now there is a huge percentage of young people that look at socialism as it's a beautiful thing. They have no clue, they have no idea, and they have no point of reference to history whatsoever. Because you see, check this article out by Karen Schoen. Uh, this is from a couple of years ago, and this is the title of it, Give Me One Generation of Your Children and I'll Transform Your Country. This is a quote, a loose paraphrase, if you will, of Vladimir Lenin, who was the uh, communist leader that took over Russia in um, 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution, and he brought communism, and this is what he said, Give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. And that's what's going on right now with the control of our kids. Was the cry of Lenin, Khrushchev, Castro, Hitler, and other dictators just before they destroyed their country and used indoctrination with propaganda on the children to turn on their parents and neighbors. The key to the future of our country is its children. For it does not matter what we accomplish in eight years to fix America. Once more, socialists graduate, America will elect socialists. This is what we see with Bernie Sanders and AOC and Pelosi and President Biden and Kamala Harris. They're, they're all, their whole agenda is socialism. According to the National Review in 2017, 40% of the population wants America to be socialist. That's higher now, by the way. That's, that's an old poll four years ago. For the purpose of definition, remember that the goal of all isms, i.e. progressivism, globalism, socialism, fascism, collectivism, etc., is communism whereby the state or government control every aspect of human life. Is this not what we are seeing in every aspect of human life? Put a mask on your face, social distance, we're putting an ankle bracelet on you, we're gonna shut down your business. It is incredible government control. Since the lowest common denominator, the article goes on to say, in America, something every American does, is attend school. The students are the low-hanging fruit. Also, the new brand of communism has changed since the leaders feel they can infiltrate their opponent by mass migration of socialists by integrating the media, Hollywood, and education, incremental change and pressure is continual. Weapons are no longer necessary. Winning the hearts and minds are the answer. How do you fool millions of people? You lie. The propaganda is an incredible lie. To put on top of that, Vladimir Lenin also said, destroy the family, you destroy the country. The way to crush the Burgoyce or middle class is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Right now, President Biden is doing all the above. It is the control of the children, the pressure upon all of the, uh, I mean, the entire public school system. It's incredible. Parents, if you're able to pull your kids out, homeschool them, get them into a Christian school that's not woke and not uh, progressive in its socialist ideology, which some churches and schools are, it, if you can do that, if you are invest in them, if you're spending a lot of time with them so that you can untangle the constant things that are being 
crammed down their throat through the revised history to hate America? Why is it you send your kids off to school and they're loving Jesus and they're loving your country and they come back as these fire-breathing progressives that hate America and America is an awful country and we need socialism and this whole social justice thing, this critical race theory that is, is really racism on steroids. It's, it's unbelievable what's happening right now. And so we have to come back to that simple training of raising up our kids in the freedom that we've had as we'll get to a passage of scripture and just talk about the memorial stones that Joshua put up for a whole generation. But a year ago, well, excuse me, <laughs> a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, as all of this was unfolding, we had the, the two-week lockdown in March to uh, in April to uh, flatten the curve. This was a conversation with Congressman Jim Jordan and uh, Judge Janine here. Check this out. Um, let's talk about the fact that it appears that the Democrats are using this uh, Wuhan uh, virus, they want to call it COVID, whatever that means, uh, as a subterfuge to uh, uh, pursue their progressive leftist Democrat yeah. agenda as opposed to providing money needed dollars to Americans. What say yeah, you? The, the, no, you're exactly right, Judge, and the senator is exactly right. But think about what they're saying right now during this virus. They're saying illegal immigrants should go free. They're saying we're going to pay states, think about that, pay states to let criminals out of jail. They say abortion clinics are, quote, essential businesses, and they want to stop you from buying a gun, and they want to stop you from going to church. That's what the Democrats are for yeah. during this, this time when, as the senator said, we should be coming together to deal with this virus, and as the president said, get our country back to work as quickly as we can. So the Republicans, we want to go back to work. We want to make sure the small business loan program has the resources it needs to help business owners and families. We want to go back to work. 18 months ago, this is what the rhetoric was. It, and it's got so much worse than Jim Jordan and Judge Deneen even anticipated it could for not only America, but around the world. So when we draw back and we think about our own children and raising them up and, and thinking about the hope that we have, you know, there was a generation that experienced real tyranny. It was Moses and the children of Israel and the Lord told Moses, I, I see the cry of my people. They're under this harsh bondage. And I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And so they came out after 10 incredible plagues that God brought as judgment upon um, Egypt. And they came out and they came through the wilderness. And because of their disobedience and their struggle, they were out in the wilderness for 40 years. And then they were going to come into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But there were battles in the land that they're going to have to fight to maintain their liberty, maintain their freedom. Not only was it ugly coming out uh, from underneath tyranny, but you have to be willing to pay the price. But also, as you want to maintain the land flowing with milk and honey, which America is, is such a great example of, you have to be willing to fight these battles. But you fight them from a place of remembering what liberty and freedom look like for our family. And Joshua had the children of Israel set up these memorial stones for the parents and for the children with a spe specific reason. And this is what we need to do is bring back not only parents discovering liberty, maybe if you're a little bit younger and you don't remember the America that we, uh, we who are older, the boomers grew up in, but 
now you need to communicate that, that mindset of freedom so that the kids don't just get indoctrinated in this tyranny and just buckle under the oppression. Joshua 4, verses 4 through 9 says, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come. Notice this saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the ark of the covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Notice there are a total of twenty-four stones. One very obvious and the other a little bit more mysterious. He tells the men as the Jordan dried up to take and put a stone, a significant stone on their shoulder and carry it into the camp. And they were going to put up the, 12, the pile of 12 stones. And any time that they would traverse by there as the, the parents and the children and the kids said, Hey, mom, dad, what are these stones about? They were to talk about how they came out of Egypt and how the Lord dried up the Jordan River and brought them into the promised land to enjoy the liberty and the freedom and the blessing of being a free people with the Lord governing them. And so it was an object lesson for the kids to learn. But he also told them to pile up 12 stones in the Jordan River where the feet of the priests were. And then the waters, once they came, they would be underwater or in the water. So why the two different piles of stones? Well, the one pile of stones in the camp was obvious for the next generation, that they would look back. And now with revisionist history, the 1619 Project, and the crazy history that now children are learning about, in which they go through a history lesson that's been revised, and basically it produces a hatred and animosity towards America. That's the socialist, communist agenda. It's, it's right out of their playbook. It's, it's just as, and people think, oh, it's academic, it's so smart, we're so woke, we're so in touch. No, you're morons, because that's the rewriting of all history. When you look at what the Mao uh, did in China, they rewrite the history. You, you have to disrupt and dismantle a society from division, and that's what's going on. Uh, across the board in America, there is a disruption and a dismantling uh, in fragmenting people into economic groups against each other, racial groups against each other, and uh, religious groups against each other. And it's a plan to create all of this infighting to break down the fabric of unity in a nation so that the coup can happen and the government has to come in and control everything. But you see the 12 stones that were in the river, all the adults that came across the river, and the water going over those stones later, was an internal witness. The one was an external witness for the next generation. The other was an internal 
witness that those who came by those priests and where they stood and where those stones are, and now the water is overflowing them, inside them they understood what liberty is because they made the journey. You see, every generation needs its own revival, and every generation will be a part of its own cultural revolution to either revisit liberty and rediscover liberty or fall under tyranny. And the reality of an older generation, for most of us who are older, you look around our nation and don't you just want the America you grew up in? The one that was focused towards the Lord and in unity as a nation and to be a part of a a group of people, it doesn't matter what color of the skin or whatever the background, we're a melting pot of peoples. But don't you miss that America? Because you see intrinsically, internally, just like the water going over those stones, you know that America. Your children do not know that America. And they don't know the hardship that it took to get that America. But we do. And it is our job to stay connected to history because if you don't know history, you're destined to repeat the failures of the past. And so, as Edmund Burke said, I mean, it's such wisdom. But now the history that the young people are getting, and now to be forced, and and, and it seems like such a patient process that the social agenda has. Hey, they don't mind if it takes another 12 years for these kids to come all the way through school, and are they going to have to wear masks and get a vaccine and boosters all the way through their elementary, middle school, high school, college, and into their career to be controlled by the state because of a flu, a common cold for most people, without the wisdom to say, shouldn't we just have focused prevention for those who are in danger, the elderly, and try to take care of them, the 1% that actually is susceptible? How many people have you known, that I've known, that have had COVID, and some got the flu worse than others, and some because of core morbidities and their age and their health situation. It is an accelerant to death when you have a compromised health system, an immune system. This is true. We don't deny that. But you have to let, if the odds are the same for a child to be infected with COVID and die is the same as a child dying in a car wreck, which the, 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 the statistics on that are, are not very scary. The reality is, why would you damage psychologically, socially, mentally, even physically with the COVID child abuse measures that Fauci, Biden, I mean, things are coming off, the wheels are coming off in Afghanistan, and Biden wants to talk about masks, he wants to talk about vaccines, and he can't even save the Americans that are there? Unbelievable. And this is what they want. This is the progressive left, this is their agenda. It's something. And as an American, as as a Christian, as an American, as a patriot, we have to raise our kids We have to raise a generation that is connected with the history of a great nation and the liberty that was founded 
and the freedom that we have so that we can push that forward and enjoy that. Light in the darkness, I won't hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time's trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 I will keep my heart seeking